It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to Iowa's Newsworthy Past. The following episode includes items published in the Olwine Register in Olwine, Iowa, on Wednesday, September 29th, 1897. He came, he saw, but he did not conquer by a long way. Last Wednesday was Brian Day in Olwine. The day was an ideal one for an outdoor gathering, and several thousand people, estimated all the way from 2,500 to 4,000, were on the grounds to see the much-talked-of boy orator of the Platte. For the past year and a half, the papers have been filled with accounts of Brian's wonderful oratorical ability. If he has anything of that kind, he failed to show it while here. We have not heard a person give an expression in regard to his 35-minute speech, but who was disappointed in him. Even the high school boys make sport of his speech. We have heard many a man create more enthusiasm in his audience in a five-minute speech than Brian in his half hour. As for the speech itself, the only thing discussed was the Chicago platform, which is more out of date than some of the planks in the Democratic platform of Iowa this year. He devoted 10 minutes to the question of arbitration, 10 to that of government by injunction, 10 to the silver question, and the closing five to state issues and a general summary. Speaking of silver and wheat, he said, We are glad the price of wheat has gone up, but we would much sooner see it raised in a different manner. We would rather raise it by increasing the quantity of money and thus cause a rise in the general price level than raise it by making a famine. Now, is not that an intelligent expression to come from a man who is supposed to have the ability to discuss questions of state and national importance in a manner to command the respect of all. He insults the intelligence of his hearers when he intimates, as he does in the extract given above, that the Republican Party had, or could have had, anything to do with the famine in India or the shortage of crops in European countries. He also knows, if he is half as smart as people give him credit of being, that the present rise in the price of wheat and other farm products does not depend alone upon the shortage in foreign countries. He knows that when the laboring men are employed, the demand for breadstuffs and all kinds of farm products is increased. The history of the past and present demonstrate the fact that the Republican policies have been productive of a higher state of prosperity than those advocated and set in motion under democratic rule. The effort to create ill-feeling and distrust between different classes in this country is inimical to the best government. Each is dependent upon the other. When the wage earner in factory, shop, or mill is steadily employed, he is a large consumer of that which the farmer produces, while the farmer, if he finds ready sale at fair prices, for what he raises, becomes a greater purchaser of those things which the mechanic and laboring man produces. Both are producers, but in a different way, and their prosperity depends largely upon each other. 
Brian, like all others of his class, is willing to admit at present that the law of supply and demand regulates, to a large extent, these and other economic questions, but steadily refused to see it in that light last fall, when the fact was pointed out to them that the increased production of silver had had something to do with the decline in price. The crime of 73 was all that they could talk about then. After Brian's departure, Captain J.W. Muffley of Des Moines was introduced. It was very evident that the people were not out to listen to speech-making for as soon as Brian had departed, and their curiosity was satisfied, they began to go away from the grounds very rapidly, and the captain's remarks fell on dull and listless ears. There was a large crowd present, but even in this regard, the day was a disappointment to nearly everyone, as all anticipated a much larger attendance than there was. The merchants all report a good trade, so that they were well satisfied over the day's outcome. More homelike than ever. The changes and improvements that have been taking place in the Union House for several weeks past are now completed and add very materially to the conveniences and appearance of that popular house. The hotel company have had in their mind to fit the house in more modern style and have succeeded admirably in their purpose. Handsome paper has been placed on the walls, tasty paint on the woodwork, two new skylights in the roof that makes the hallways and sleeping apartments much pleasanter, a bathroom and other toilet conveniences in the second story, a new hardwood floor in the office, and gentlemen's toilet room and other accessories in the basement, a wide and handsome stairway leading thereto from the office. In addition to these improvements, city water has been put into the house throughout, the toilet rooms being provided with hot and cold water without the necessity of any steps to carry it away. Mine host Cummings has always endeavored to make the Union House as home-like as possible and now feels that he will be better able than ever to entertain the traveling public in a way that will prove even more acceptable than in the past. Always an enjoyable place to stop for a meal or a night's rest, the Union House, under its new regime, will prove even more popular than heretofore. If that were possible, and O.A. Cummings is the man who, always genial and looking after the welfare of his guests, can now offer them better facilities for comfort than in the past. Sudden Summons George Dietrich and wife of this city went to Raymond Saturday morning to attend the funeral of his brother, W.S. Dietrich, who died very suddenly at Waterloo Wednesday afternoon. Deceased was the postmaster and a merchant at Raymond, Iowa, and Wednesday morning went to Waterloo with a neighbor to purchase goods and transact some other business. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he stepped into the office of the Union Mill and had only been there a moment or two before he fell to the floor dead. Heart disease is said to have been the cause of death. He was 70 years old and had been a resident of Blackhawk County for many years. The funeral services were held Saturday. An alarm given. 
An incipient blaze in the Union House barn Monday afternoon called out the fire department, but no water was thrown as it was extinguished before hose was laid. How the fire started is not known, but probably from a cigar stub or a lighted match carelessly thrown to one side. The first intimation of anything wrong was the discovery of a large volume of smoke pouring out of the closed stall where Landlord Cummings keeps his driving horse. When the door was opened, it was found that the bedding and loose hay on the floor of the stall was burning briskly, and at a moment or two more there would have been a lively blaze. There were five horses in the barn which were taken out, and a few pails of water squelched what fire there was, but it was a close call. A Disagreeable Experience Mr. and Mrs. J. Cook had a disagreeable experience last Wednesday night, one that they will not soon forget. Jay was detained downtown until a late hour, and on going home he retired without awaking Mrs. Cook. About one o'clock, their infant child became restless, and she arose to wait on it. Going into the sitting room, she saw a man lying on the couch with his face to the wall and a coat and hat off. Supposing it was her husband, who had laid down for a moment and unintentionally fallen asleep, she stepped up to him and shook him by the shoulder, saying, "'Have you gone to sleep?' When the fellow turned over and looked at her with a drunken stare and she realized that it was not her husband, she was so badly scared for a moment that she nearly fainted away. But recovering her self-possession, she went to Mr. Cook's room and called him. He arose, and taking his revolver, he roused the man who lived in another part of the city and bade him depart. The fellow was so drunk that he didn't know what had become of his coat or hat, nor how he got in the house." Time given. Owine, Iowa, September 4th, 1897. I have this day given my son, Robert, his time, and hereafter will not be responsible for any debts contracted by him, neither will I collect any of his wages. Rufus Gates.